Hello again, lovely listeners. We're back for a special because it's Oscar season. Way. Yeah, those excited cheers. We've had maybe 50 award ceremony at this point. We've had various guilds, actors, directors, producers, screenwriters, screen actors, whatever it is. We've had BAFTAs, Golden Globes. We've got the Razzies to come, but we won't talk about them because I don't see the point of them. And we've got Spirit Awards, but the big one is the Oscars. So we potty people thought we'd sit down and go through the nominees and pick who we think are going to win. It's a little uh, wager we've got going on, see who can do the best out of all this. So as ever, I am Russell and I'm wrangling this into shape. We have... I'm James Rodriguez and keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. (laughs) And who's got the name of your wife in your mouth? Why it is? In another life. I would have really liked just podcasting with you. It's me. It's Vincent. It's nice to be here. <laughs> For the podcast award goes to, well, not us today, but who knows? One day. One maybe. day it could happen. It, it could would, happen. It'd be lovely just to be nominated, wouldn't it? For any award, it'd be of course. a yes. joyous thing. And yeah, yeah. Uh, there are a lot of nominees to get through. We've got a lot of awards to get through. I'm looking down my list. I'm kind of excited. And we're going to start with uh, three categories. We'll go through animated international documentary or, you know, sort of the area where they siphon off some of the best films, which, you know, some of these films are pretty darn great. And we'll start with international feature film. So we've got All Quiet on the Western Front, Argentina 1985, Close EO, which is the donkey film, and The Quiet Girl. I have seen one of these. Uh, Same here. Same. Which uh, one have you seen? Well, I, uh, the, the one I have seen is All Quiet on the Western Front. Russell, which one have you seen? All Quiet on the Western Front. James, what have you seen? I haven't seen any of these nominees, I'm afraid. Well, I mean, so this immediately makes us terrible people, doesn't it? Uh-huh. Um, and, <laughs> and how terrible we are, I think, will become cl- even clearer as things move on. Then again, I expect our listeners are accustomed to us being terrible. One thing I will say is. Um, Argentina 1985 is available on Amazon Prime. Um, I just added it to my watch list. So if you want to see that, it's quite easy to see, much as All Quiet on the Western Front is, if you didn't already know, available on Netflix. And I suspect Close, EO and The Quiet Girl will be along soon. Come to think of it, we should probably at least identify these are international features. And Argentina 1985 is, oddly enough, from Argentina. And All Quiet on the Western Front is German. And I feel it's only fair to set, to let people know where else these uh, come from. But I just realised that's going to take a while. So uh, let's move so on, So The Quiet Girl is Irish, EO is Polish, I believe, and Close is French. Okay, good. I was just looking that up and realising it would take longer than I wanted to. So <laughs> there you go. We're, we're as slick as an awards show. And I hear phenomenal things about The Quiet Girl. I kick myself. I didn't watch it. It is a Gaelic um, Irish film. Apparently it's great. Um, But I I think we should just pick who we think is going to win this. My pick, who I think is going to win this, is All Quiet in the Western Front. I think this because uh, a couple of the awards go to more political uh, wins. Also, All Quiet in the Western Front is pretty phenomenal at times. Like It's a very impressive war film so i think it's gonna be that 
James, as you've seen none of these, who do you think is going to win? <laughs> okay, so I can't make a comment on quality. I can only make comments on um, on what's built up momentum and what's been narratives formed over this past awards season. And I'm just looking at this list, and the one thing I'm thinking is only one of these films has been Best Picture nominated. So I'd be very surprised if All Quiet on the Western Front does not win this award. And I will third that perspective. I also think All Quiet on the Western Front will pick up an international feature like um, Drive My Car, like Parasite. It is an international. It is up for international feature film and best picture. And when that happens, it the international film does that is also up for best picture tends to win international feature film. It's worth also noting that All Quiet on the Western Front won big at the BAFTAs, winning both Best Picture and International Feature. So all the and momentum. And director, I believe. It and director, director, quite right. So yeah. <clears throat> so it's quite coming with the momentum. It is. There is nothing quiet on the Western Front. And so from International Feature Film, we go to Animated Feature Film. I must note, we're not going to attempt to pick which of the shorts are going to win because... I've seen none of the shorts. I never watch the shorts, sadly. I Same. Should, but I never get around to doing it. And it would. Feel... I will say, if I had to make an inform uninformed decision, I just want the, an Oscar win for a title with dicks in the title. You mean Year of the Dicks, is it? My Year of Dicks. Ah, okay. <laughs> this is about a bunch okay. of guys called Richard, I take it. I'm not sure. No, no. Well, I hear it's a bit... Uh... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I hope that wins as well, just so that the um, announcer, that the announcer, the presenter, and then the uh, um, and, and then the PA, the voiceover person, will all have to say that. And the and, and the Oscar goes to my year of dicks. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. And from that animated delight, the other animated feature films we've got. So we've got Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. We've got Marcel, The Shell with Shoes On. We've got Puss in Boots, The Last Witch. Not Witch. Wish. We've got The Sea Beast. And we've got Turning Red. And before I give my opinion, I'll give it last. I will say I've seen all these films and I have a great fondness for all these films. I think they're all testament to how good the medium is right now. Uh, James, who do you think is likely to win this one? I assume you've seen more of these than uh, international feature film because most of these are more readily available. So, for example, Game of the Torres Pinocchio and The Sea Beast on Netflix, Tony Reddit on Disney+, Plus, Marcel the Shelf Shoes on and Puss and Boots are both in cinemas right now, so they're a lot more readily available. Um, yes, I've seen Pinocchio, Puss and Boots and Turning Red, and I adore all of them. Now, it's interesting because the animated feature award tends to be the award which is assured for Disney or Pixar to come and take it. Unless there's something, there's a film which builds up a strong momentum and consistency. And in this case, I believe Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio has done very much that. And rightly deserved, in my opinion. I loved the films I've seen of this, but only Pinocchio made me bawl my eyes out. Yeah. Um, I would say that I feel the momentum again is a Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. I'd be happy with any of these wins, but I think there's something about Pinocchio winning it. I think because it is a stop motion animation, which are 
ridiculous endeavors in their own right and kind of a testament of a certain kind of animation and it's Guillermo del Toro he's been he's a charming individual who has done the rounds of all the awards and all the various festivals and yeah usually this goes to Disney or Pixar and if Turning Red wins I won't be too put out of sorts because I think Turning Red is one of the best Pixars in a long time but I think it's probably Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio for me uh, Vincent do you have anyone else any other film you think might sneak in and get it um, no, to be honest, I do not. I like uh, James. Have I like James? But in addition, similar Thank to you. James, um, I have also seen Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, and Turning Red. Of those three, my personal preference, uh, favourite, would be Turning Red, um, because I've seen that three times and would happily see it again. The other two I have seen only once, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, we discussed on our previous episode, and I was very lukewarm on it. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, I think, is brilliant. Um, and I do think it's going to win. So I think we're three for three on that one. Mm. Um, Pinocchio is a remarkable film. And while I'd be happy with Turning Red, um, or and if it were The Sea Beast or Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, um, those would be interesting. But I think it's going to be Pinocchio and del Toro adding to his collection. Yeah, it'll. I feel del Toro will win yet again. And... One of the great auteurs for me of our time, so I'm more than happy for him to get even more Oscars. That's agreed. That's fine with that. So so far, two categories and two we collectively agree on. Um, let's see if we do that with the best documentary feature, which I will confess I've seen none of these, and some of them are readily available, and I just haven't watched them yet. So we've got all the briefs, we've got all the beauty and the bloodshed, we've got fire of love, a house made of splinters, and Navalny. Um. Yeah, Vincent. Which of those do you think are gonna get ahead? Have you seen any of these? I have not. No, I haven't seen any of them. <laughs> and I am going to make a completely uninformed choice and pick Fire of Love as the winner, purely because it's the title I recognise. I th- remember um seeing um a trailer for it. Some well trailers for it last year and remembering um, Mark Kermode's review. I think I'm pretty sure it's the one about a couple of volcanologists. Yeah, who um, yes, they have an incredible love and they are researching volcanoes. So you know, fire, love. It almost sounds like it could be a book in a Song of Ice and Fires sequence. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's my uninformed opinion. Fire of love. So, James, how about you? Well. I'm I'm rounding off the trifecta of not having seen a single documentary nominated. <laughs> so the only thing I could do is have a look at the films and see what's been essentially getting awards and doing well this season. So on that basis, All the Beauty and Blood, the Bloodshed is my choice just because it's done quite well and I expect that to continue in the Oscars. Okay, I will pick a different one from you two. Um, is that again, just a variety? I, well, that and also, so I think that this is again another political category. And while I think all the beauty in the bloodshed has a certain resonance with uh, the opi- opioid crisis in America, I think Navalny, which is about the Russian opposition leader, is going oh. to win the best documentary. In the same for the same a similar reason as to why all quite in the Western Front will win best international feature film for me. I just think that that's where they'll kind of make a message, send a message. But I mean, 
yeah, I hear amazing things of Fire of Love and of all the beauty in the bloodshed. So I feel wonderfully ill-informed about this. Um, I think Fire of Love is on Disney+. Plus. I think Navalny is on uh, the iPlayer. And I think the rest are all to be found elsewhere. I know that the Beauty and the Bloodshed has some screenings around right now, but uh, yeah, documentary never quite gets as big a showing as it could do. Who is your favorite fearless hero? Who is your favorite fearless hero? Who's brave and ready for trouble? So unbelievably humble. Is your favorite fearless hero? Is your favorite fearless hero? So that's our first three categories. Next up, we're going to discuss sound and editing. And I've seen more of these nominees, so it's going to be less of, well, I've not seen anything this, but I'll take a punt. Uh, so first up is for best sound. We've got All Quiet on the Western Front. We've got Avatar The Way of Water. We've got The Batman. We've got Elvis and we've got Top Gun Maverick. So sort of a mix of uh, out-and-out blockbusters and more... Um, I guess they're all blockbusters in their own way. Like, All Quiet on the Western Front is a blockbuster. I was going to, like, try and distinguish with that. But they're all variants of the blockbuster. Um, they're all big movies, which yeah, makes sense. Because a big movie has to be a loud movie. So it's fitting that they're all up for sound. Yeah. And... Um, so yeah, so of those nominees, I'm going to go for Elvis because uh, again, sound and music combining together, and it feels like it feels like his wheelhouse. I feel like it's going to win it. Uh, James, what are you in? Which one of those five do you think are going to lift the trophy? Okay, so I've been thinking about what the Academy tend to do, and often you get front runners who are given like their own just get loads and loads of awards but they also tend to spread the love a bit i think particularly in the technical categories unless there's like a big front runner or something so i think in this case best sound i'm gonna take a punt and say this will be top gun mavericks oscar because my thinking is they'll probably want to award the film which as steven spielberg told tom cruise saved cinemas <laughs> and my thought is if Top Gun Maverick is going to win an Oscar, it's going to be something technical. And frankly, the sound it is magnificent. And I could see Top Gun Maverick taking it for that in that regard. Well, I'm going to both agree and disagree. Um, because, I mean, I'm going to disagree with Russell and disagree and agree with James because... I also think Top Gun Maverick will take the award for sound um, because the well, part, because it is the kind of award, the type of film which encourages a particular type of sound uh, creation, sound of being in a plane, the sound of falling from a plane, the sound of traveling at be beyond the speed of sound. Um, <laughs> there you go. It all fits together. I think that we. Um, that sound makes a lot of sense for um, Top Gun Maverick. Um, I will also say I am um, going to object to the term technical award um, because the Academy actually has its scientific and technical awards at a completely separate ceremony, which was this <laughs> weekend gone by. And all awards at the 
Oscars, the Academy Awards, are artistic. I don't understand how sound works, but I do know that it's treated as these are all um, artistic awards. Um, and then again, there's technical features in all of them. So if any anytime somebody says technical award, I'm going to be that very annoying person and say, um, anyway, so, but, uh, you know, these guys know how annoying I am. So I think they're accustomed to that. Um, anyway, yes, I will go. I also go for Top Gun Maverick to okay. pick up the award for sound. So mm. shall we cut over to editing? Yes. Our, our second artistic, artistic award is uh, best film editing. And that's the Banshees of Inisham, Elvis, everything everywhere all at once, Tar and Top Gun Maverick. And really... Uh, they exemplify what editing is because something like the Banshees of Inishin is a uh, masterclass in subtlety, whereas something like Elvis feels like it's edited by cocaine. So, yeah. <laughs> that's Baz are, Luhrmann for you. That's Baz Luhrmann. So if you want an example of what editing can do, this is it. Uh, Vincent, which of these five films do you feel could be the winner? Yeah, um, something I didn't mention when we're talking about sound, but it's true of both sound and editing. I've seen all of them, so <laughs> I can talk oh, yeah. with a certain amount of you know knowledge. Um, editing is an important award. It's sometimes something of a silver bullet. The film that wins editing will often win Best Picture. And um, notably, a film that isn't nominated for editing um, will generally not win Best Picture in my in my observations. Um, of these, I think you you make a lovely um, comparison there um, between uh, the Banshees of Inisherin and, and Elvis. Um, one very subtle, the other one not. Um, <laughs> Tar fascinatingly does both. Sometimes the editing is like, "Whoa, what happened?" And other times you don't notice it. Um, Top Gun Maverick similarly has to assemble an extraordinary array of different images into something that could have so easily have been incoherent. One of the things that makes Top Gun Maverick, I think, a great improvement over the film that's a sequel to is its editing. It's so much cleaner, so much neater. But when it comes to editing, I have to go for my pick is everything everywhere all at once, because that film is there's a such thing as editing to an inch of its life. But I think in the case of everything everywhere all at once, it is edited beyond an inch of its life and it still works. Um, the cutting between the different time, the different uh, universes, the different moments, the different lives, and yet it all fits together um, so coherently that everything everywhere all at once is a testament to the power of editing. So that is my pick. James, how about you? I'm going to fully agree with you, Vincent. <clears throat> I think... Everything Everywhere All At Once is going to be a wonderful little story for this award season. And I can see it getting this win, which was on the only BAFTA win it had. Mm. And I think it's very much helped that Everything Everywhere All At Once does it so phenomenally. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's my choice. Um, uh, same for me. Yeah, I... Um... I think these the editing in all of these films is phenomenal, but I think there's something about everything everywhere all at once and how it takes this art form and just performs it to the nth degree of how good it can be. And the only way this film holds together, and while there are impressive performances and phenomenal effects and incredible writing, 
I think the way this film is edited is part of why it has struck such a chord. It is, yeah, I would go with that as well. So it's one of those categories where we uh, all agree. <laughs> Indeed. Well, you may go to college, you may go to school, you may have a pink Cadillac, but don't you make nobody's room now, baby. Come back. Uh, and we'll go on and we'll take in two of the acting uh, categories next. We'll do the supporting ones. We've got supporting actor and supporting actress. And uh, I would argue one of these at least feels fairly locked in. And we'll do that one first. So in best actor in a supporting role, you have Brendan Gleeson for The Banshees of Inishin. You have Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway. You have Judd Hirsch for The Fablemans. You have Barry Keoghan for The Banshees of Inishin, and you have Kai Hui Kwan for Everything Everywhere All at Once. I have seen all of these by Causeway, and I really should have seen Causeway because I have Apple TV, so I have no excuse. But um, I think the performances are impressive, but I think it is Kai Hui Kwan's year. He has won most of the awards. Barry Keoghan won at the BAFTAs, but... We could have a conversation about the Baptists and the, he's showing them historically uh, their trends. But yeah, I think um, it's a Cinderella story that Hollywood can get behind of this child actor who left acting, went off and worked in stunt work and has come back and his comeback has netted him this these amazing words. And it's a fantastic performance. It, it's not that it's not a fantastic performance. It is a fantastic performance. It is moving. And it is an integral part of the film. So I think he's going to win. And I think he is the only acting one that I think is fairly certain at this point. Uh, yeah, Vincent, who's are you going to agree? <laughs> yes, I am. I agree with everything you said. I think it will be Kehu Kwan. Um, prior to the Screen Actors Guild Awards, I would have thought Barry Kagan because he won the BAFTA. Um, I have seen all of these apart from Causeway, which is very bad of me because when we first spoke about the nominations, I said that's one I was particularly interested in because the fact it was nominated uh, made me think, oh, I should make a point of watching that. And I have not. So I will. Now, I have Apple TV as well, and I will make a point of seeing Causeway um, hopefully this week. But um, yes, after what's happened thus far, I do believe it'll be Kei Hoi Kwan picking up Best actor in a supporting role for everything, everywhere, all at once. James, will you differ? Are you coming in for Judd Hirsch here? Now, if the anyone had from the Fablemans had to get nominated, I would have said Paul Dano. In all well, yes, I mean, what a great performance Paul Dano gives. Mm. Yeah. But I'm just going to parrot you two because not only have I also not seen Causeway, but I also believe that Ki Hui Kwan is going to be the winner of this award. This is one of the few uh, this season which I feel is an absolute lock because you've got the many a wins that have been generated over this season. You've got heaps of acclaim coming up that has con been consistent ever since the film's release. And uh, Hollywood loves a com comeback story. So, yeah, I think we're going to have Quan coming back in a massive way as Oscar winner. Let's hope afterwards, um, whether he wins or not, we see more of him. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And so from one supporting role to another, we've got Best Actress in a Supporting Role. This is Angela Bassett in Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Hong Chao for The Whale, 
Kerry Condon for the Banshees of Inishin, Jamie Lee Curtis for Everywhere, ev- sorry, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Stephen Stephanie Sue for Everything Everywhere All at Once. So we've sort of got two, um, I guess you call them legacy actors, two actors who have a long, long career behind them, and three that have shorter careers and uh, fairly early on in their um, prestige picture career. Um, James, which one are you going to go for this one? Well, this is interesting because I think this race is quite tightening as it gets closer to the end. You had Kerry Condon win the BAFTA and Jamie Lee Curtis just won the SAG Award. But I think Angela Bassett has built up quite the momentum across this season that I think she's still going to take it. I think this is going to be the award that Bassett wins. Interesting that it's for Black Panther Wakanda Forever, but Oscar winner Angela Bassett, I think we're going to hear that and it's going to sound so good. Vincent, who's your pick? Oh, I um, I think that's a really interesting point James makes. And yes, um, Academy Award winner Angela Bassett sounds great. Um, she is uh, there. There is a lot to be said for that. In that she is a, as you say, a legacy performer. She has, I think, her last nomination was nearly thirty years ago for What's Love Got to Do with It. So it would it could certainly be seen as her time and kind of award her career. But the same can also be said. For Jamie Lee Curtis, again, been in um, been in the business over 40 years and never she never went away. And it's great to see an actor um, of her uh, at, at her time in life, shall we say, who's been able to get this you know fantastic role um, that has you know gathered so much acclaim. Um, and because, you know, I would have gone for Kerry Condon prior to the Screen Actors Guild. One thing it's important to note about when it comes to BAFTA, Screen Actors Guild, Directors Guild of America, Producers Guild of America, Writers Guild of America, (laughs) and the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, there's a fair bit of overlap in terms of the members. So, um, and seeing as the many members of the Screen Actors Guild will also make up the actors um, portion of the Academy, um, I think that uh, they will follow that and it will be Jamie Lee Curtis picking up supporting actress for everything everywhere all at once. That is eventually my pick. <laughs> Russell, how about you? Uh, yeah, so I, I am sort of torn again between your two picks because I do think it is between these two actors and they are both have a wealth of goodwill around them. And I, I'm the one I'm picking is only because I think there's a degree of momentum to the film that they're in. So I think it'll be Jamie Lee Curtis at everything everywhere all at once because of that momentum will slightly push her ahead of Angela Bassett. But if either of them win, I will be very happy. I've seen all the films in this category and if any of these uh, wonderful performers win, I will be happy. I I would gladly see any of them lift this trophy. It's There's not anyone in here I think has pushed someone out who shouldn't be there. But yeah, I think... Agreed. Jamie Lee Curtis is probably going to get it. But again, I can't be certain. I'm just going with what is the film that has the most momentum right now as opposed to anything else. And I think that might just hedge it. But yeah, we'll see. Fair. We'll see. You perform civility here. But we know what you whisper in your halls of leadership and in your military facilities. 
The king is dead. The Black Panther is gone. They have lost their protector. And we'll go from acting to music with song and score. So up for best music original score is All Quiet on the Western Front, Babylon, The Banshees of Inishin, Everything Ever All at Once, The Fate and The Fablemans. And I've seen all of these and I think they're all actually phenomenal scores. I actually think this is a really strong category. Uh, James, uh, do you have one that you think is going to pip the others to the post? Oh, looking at this lineup, it's such a good lineup. I mean, I wish it could be Babylon. I mean, that's won the Golden Globes uh, award early into the award season, but nobody seems to care about the Golden Globes, so might as well have won a <laughs> Razzie for its worth. But I think it of all these films nominated, it's going to be the one I haven't seen, All Quiet on the Western Front. Because I'm I'm just going off the basis that this film is going to generate quite a bit of momentum. And while it may not win, say, the some of the big awards like Best Directing, Best Actor, Best Actress, mainly because it wasn't nominated. But I think this is going to get quite a few wins under its belt to come this season. I concur on that. I think that, um, again, I'm going to be very boring here and say that because it won the BAFTA, I think All Quiet on the Western Front will win the Oscar as well. I've seen all of these apart from Babylon. Um, I was excited about Babylon and then all the negativity emerged and I lost interest. <laughs> I probably should at some point, uh, but maybe I'll see it on t on streaming. But yeah, I think for score, it'll be All Quiet on the Western Front. Um, what would you say, Russell? Well, I'm going to fly the flag for Babylon because I feel that there is some... There's already been a reappraisal, I think, of Babylon from its initial very hostile... Well, no, it's not even very hostile. It's sort of divisive uh, critical appraisal. And I do think the score is the best thing about it. So uh, I think that it's one of these wins that'll be... You're not up for much, but you can have one thing and you can have it for what is the best thing about the film. But uh, it's hard to pick because I do think these are five phenomenal scores i think all quiet on the western front has a very impactful score so part of the power of all quiet on the western front is that score is that beat that plays over it at certain key points that just resounded to me but yeah so i'm gonna go with babylon but i'm prepared to be wrong <laughs> yeah and uh, from score to song, the best music original song. So we've got Applause from Tell It Like a Woman, Hold My Hand from Top Gun Maverick, Lift Me Up from Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. I'm going to butcher this. Na Na Natu Natu from RRR. And This Is A Life from Everything Everywhere All At Once. So a mix of sort of best picture nominees and uh, films. Others. Others <laughs> and others. Um, <laughs> I feel for me this might be the win for top gun maverick which seems bizarre as the category i've picked for top gun maverick to win but i think the academy love lady gaga i think that they want to give a, an award to top gun maverick and i feel it might be this one um and that's only because top gun maverick is a uh has done better than black panther or Wakanda forever because i might have picked that i, I can't 
determine what the hive is like for RRR in the academy because it's not up for anything else as far as I can tell. Yeah, so my pick is for Hold My Hand in Top Gun Maverick, but I'm a bit lost in this category, I'll be honest with you, because I never know what they're going to pick. James, what's your song, do you reckon? So looking at this list, I'm thinking... I'm thinking this has got to be Natu Natu. I think that's had such love come out for it since its release. And that's only built and built and built to the point there's a trailer came out recently for the film going back to US cinemas, which we've quoted people like Edgar Wright and James Cameron and Steven Spielberg just heaping praise on this film. And I just think, I just think, for a film which should have been nominated for more, this will be what it takes home. You know, I was going to go with Natu Natu, um, but I've decided just for the sake of being different, um, <laughs> so we've all got different picks, I'm going to go with Lift Me Up from Black Panther Wakanda Forever, perhaps because I don't think it'll win anything else. Um, and but the truth is, I don't really remember any of the songs. I've seen three of the nominees um, but I don't really remember the songs from them. So I'm going to consider this opinion pretty uninformed and just to be different. I'm going to go with Lift Me Up and maybe it will. Who knows? Maybe uh, maybe there'll be a, an award lifted up. Oh, you'd remember Natu Natu if you saw it. I dare it is, say I It would. is a high point of a film that is basically all high points. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so right. So um, RRR and Natu Natu in general is uh, essentially cinematic crack. Oh, absolutely. Oh, it's gorgeous oh, yes. stuff. <laughs> not salsa, not flamenco, my brother. Do you know? Natu? What is and so from Score and music to writing, another key component of um, the feature film. We've got, and this is split between original and adapted screenplay. And the thing that I learned was that every sequel is considered an adapted screenplay, which uh-huh. I didn't know that was the case, mm-hmm. which explains two of the nominees and adapted screenplay when we get to it. But we'll start with original because that's how it's on my piece of paper. We have Martin McDonough up for the Banshees of Inishin. Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinart for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Steven Spielberg and Tony Kushner for The Fablemans, Todd Field for Tar, and Ruben Ostlund for Triangle of Sadness. I have seen all of these. Hey, look at that. I have seen all of these. Uh, Vincent, which one of these do you think is going to get it? Having seen all of them as well, um, I it's an interesting one because there's a range of different um, approaches here. I think you, with the Banshees of Inisherin. Um, as well as tar, these are both quite um, stringent, quite um, cruel um, tales. I think in the way that um, they're quite um, the, the way they put forth are quite harsh in their treatment of character and subject matter. Whereas um, the Fablemans is um, is a much more gentle piece by um, Steven Spielberg and Tony Kushner. Um, Triangle of Sadness is odd. We'll talk more about that later. I expect. <laughs> um, the weird thing is that. 
is that from a writing perspective, Triangle of Sadness could be a lot more vicious than it is, but it's just kind of a bit absurd. Um, but I'm going to go back to our, <laughs> I think they might be our boys, um, the Daniels, uh, Quan and Shinet for Everything Everywhere All at Once. It is a, because that is a script that is complex um, and yet totally, I think, understandable. It's one that demands your attention, um, but I don't think at any point it's talking down to its audience. And to wrestle that sort of, those sort of concepts into a screenplay that is coherent and that allows the viewer to say, okay, so this bit links to this and this bit links to this and this bit links to this. Cinema is always an, um, about bringing multiple elements together and mentioning the editing earlier and uh, you know the, the the editing is the way that is a way of communicating the screenplay and i think with the screenplay there's an awful lot to communicate but it is laid out so well yeah my pick for original screenplay everything everywhere all at once what do you think james i gotta say i have seen all these films i'd say there's absolutely fantastic pieces of work in here and i would love to pick something different but i gotta agree i think everywhere everything everywhere all at once will absolutely take it i think it's gonna scoop up quite a few awards there's a lot of momentum here and it's been um built building and building ever since the film's release and i think that what the daniels had done just really took really grabbed audience and pe just grabbed people's attentions and grabbed their hearts that I think it's going to be rewarded in a writing. Uh, I will disagree. Hurrah! <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I realised just now that these are, I think, are the five best director nominees amongst this grouping. Um, yeah. And I... I so, I observe that writing for me historically tends to go to a film that isn't going to win anything else or isn't going to win any of the larger awards. It's sort of like a, uh, you did great, but we're not going to give you anything else. Sorry, um, Russ, I have to say that's statistically incorrect. Oh, um, it. Historically, it has long been the case that adapted screenplay and uh, picture go together as uh, oh, okay. nearly as often as picture and director. However, in recent times, such patterns have been disrupted. I'm going to keep with the disruption then. <laughs> uh, my pick is Martin McDonough because um, I think The Banshees of Inisham is the almost film of the award season. Outside of the BAFTAs, I think it's one that's almost going to win most of its categories, but isn't quite. And I think this is where it will be rewarded for. What I think might be, for me, the best script in the bunch, I think the Banshees of Inishin script is a wrenchingly powerful, devastating work. I think that the others are good, but the films have something else to them. Maybe not Triangle of Sadness, and we'll probably get into my thoughts on that in a bit. Um, but yeah, the, other, the four of them, I think, um, while they are very good scripts, have other aspects that I think that the film does well and i think martin mcdonough is going to take home the award but we'll see yeah, yeah fair comment i think if uh, mm -hmm. somehow everything everywhere all at once hadn't been nominated in this category um then i would agree if it's not um the daniels it'll i agree it's going to be 
um, McDonough hmm. for that one. And so from original, we'll go to adapted. And here we have uh, Edward Berger, Ian Stokel, and Leslie Patterson for All Quiet on the Western Front, Ryan Johnson for Glass, Onion, and Knives Out Mystery, Keizu Ishgua for Living, uh, Efren Kruger, and Eric, no, Efren, sorry, Erin Kruger, Eric Warren, singer, and Christopher Maguire for Top Gun Maverick, and Sarah Polly for Women Talking. So a host a mix of sequels and book adaptations have made it into there um i uh, have seen all of these no i haven't seen living i lie i've seen four of these and i think they're four great films i am going to because there isn't um a likely best picture winner for me in here although maybe all quite the most in front will surprise i'm gonna go with Sarah Polly for women talking because I think it will be a quiet response to the fact there are no women nominated for best director. And I've seen women talking now. I saw it today and I think the screenplay is fantastic. I think it's a really great screenplay. Um, I'm flabbergasted. It's up for so few Oscars, but such as democracy. But yeah, I think they'll give it to Sarah Polly because of a sort of, um, apology but not a public one uh vincent which of these is going to lift it for you uh, i think you, I, I have a similar perspective to you um apology is also i would also think of it in terms of something of a consolation prize yeah um even though that doesn't really work i suppose if we're thinking about its different um sectors of the academy voting in different awards but anyway um I was uh, surprised to discover that Sarah Polly is actually the um, uh, the, st- the star of Zack Snyder's remake of Dawn of the Dead, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which is fascinating. She seems like a very interesting filmmaker. However, I don't think she's likely to win, or not as likely to win. I think adapted screenplay will go to Berger, Stokel, and Patterson for All Quiet on the Western Front. Um, and similarly, because this is... You know, it is a kind the kind of um, war films are often Academy darlings. Um, the Academy loves 20th century history. It loves war um, as a subject, which is fair. You know, war then is a great um, subject for cinema. And because of All Quiet on the Western Front's um, sort of longstanding cultural um, uh, re- significance, bear in mind that a different adaptation of this um, book won Best Picture back in 1930. Um, I think that, as well as international feature, that it's going to be all quiet on the Western Front for adapted screenplay. Um, but hey, if it goes to Sarah Polly, um, I will be um, most, I'll be pleased with that as well, even though I haven't seen the film. <laughs> what about you, James? So it's interesting point Russell made that none of the best director nominees are in the adapted screenplay they're all in the original screenplay category which is Uh, weird yes that's (laughs) that is honestly weird so looking at these five nominees i my mind goes back to what was previously said about a consolation prize and in that instance i'm also going to go for all quiet on the western front because i that's a film i don't personally think will win any of the massive massive awards but i do think it's one of those films that's been beloved so much that it's going to get um 
substantial awards, I think it's going to not get going to. I think it's going to win awards, but I don't think it's going to win any of the big acting or directing or anything or even picture in my estimation. Fair dues. Okay. Uh, and again, if All Quiet on the Western Front wins, I will be uh, happy with that because, again, I think it's a very impressive film and uh, some devastating aspects to its 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 um, screenplay. Yeah. Agreed. Oh, yeah. You do like me. I don't. You liked me yesterday. Oh, did I? Yeah. I thought you did. Uh, and next up, we'll split in two, but we've got basically what I call the five mise-en-scene um, awards, which basically means everything on screen that, um, so we've got, we'll start with uh, cinematography, production design, and costume design. Uh, so for cinematography, there's All Quiet on the Western Front, Bardo, False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths, Elvis, Empire of Light, and Tar. I have seen three of these. I've not seen Bardo or Empire of Light because I heard not great things about them, so decided to wait for them to them at some point. Um, of these, I, it's hard to pick, but I think it's probably going to be All Quiet on the Western Front because it is visually spectacular in a way that is elevated by its cinematography. The way it's shot is remarkable. There are these shots from above that are just deeply impactful of the scope and scale of war. Um, yeah, I think All Quiet on the Western Front is, I think, the one that will take it. But because I've not seen two of the five nominees, I can't really be certain. This feels a bit like a, a hot mess of a category because it's like they've thrown in uh, Deacons because he's Deacons and Bardo because I assume it's well shot. Uh, Vincent, any of these, um, which of these is, is going to take it for you? Um well, actually, for a similar reason to what you said, I agree. I think it will be um, all quiet on the Western Front. The film is when I I watched this film the other morning, um, and right from the get go, I thought, "Oh God, this is beautiful." And of course, I knew what was coming, and it's like it's not going to stay beautiful. This is going to get very, very ugly. And what's fascinating is it manages to maintain a level of beauty. Even when what's going on on screen, it's but it's it's a beautiful depiction of hideous um, events. I remember there's one sequence in the film where our protagonist is just covered in this mud, um, and I could from uh, you know being in, uh, in no man's land and something about the the etching of that mud, the lighting on that was remarkable. And there are these various um, cutaways to the landscape as well, which again looks so serene. You wouldn't know there was a war going on. Um, I've seen three of the others. Um, I've not seen Bardo, but I have seen Elvis, Empire of Light and Tar. And they are all um, very um, impressively shot. Empire of Light is the great Roger Deakins. He's won two awards now, but, you know, he could have more. So that's all good. Um, I saw Elvis quite a while ago, so perhaps I don't remember that so clearly. Um, Tar does a remarkable job of um, the way the different interiors um, especially in that film, a shot to uh, make them appear simultaneously expansive and claustrophobic. But as a piece of visual storytelling, I think All Quiet on the Western Front does something super impressive. It's grand scale, but also intimate scale. So, yeah, I believe it's it will be um, 
James Friend picking up um, the Oscar for cinematography for All Quiet on the Western Front. What do you think, James? I'm going to agree that I think it'll be on All Quiet on the Western Front that, uh, that will pick up the award. Um, it's interesting to have uh, stuff like Bardo and Empire of Light, which hasn't been nominated elsewhere, also get, get nominations for this. And I don't think they're going to win it just because there's not been enough of a momentum or narrative behind them. But All Quiet, I think this will just be one of the many awards it picks up. There we go. And so we move on to production design, which the first nominee there is All Quiet on the Western Front. And joining is Avatar, The Way of Water, Babylon, Elvis, and The Fablemans. Um, James, uh, do, do, who, do you think it'll be All Quiet or someone else? Um, I was thinking All Quiet on the Western Front, but i got to be honest, I think Elvis could take this. I think this could be, as I said before, the Academy spreading out the love and i think this could be a case of if austin butler doesn't end up with best actor i think this could be the consolation prize as it's i'm insultingly describing it but i think this is still an oscar still an oscar and i think this will be the one elvis gets what about you vincent do you know you saying that, um, James, I was reminded of the production design in Elvis. Um, it is, you know, spectacular the way it brings together the different locations and the different performance venues of Elvis in that. That is, it is very impressive. It's also worth noting that um, although it's nominated in multiple categories, we are yet to predict any uh, wins for the Fablemans. So I feel that could well be a contender as well. However, having seen yeah, four of these, as I mentioned, not seen Babylon, but I have seen the rest. I am going to go with All Quiet on the Western Front because there is simply, I mean, it's, it's sometimes said that the movies that win the Oscars are not necessarily the best in big scare quotes because we never really know what that means. But you can at least measure them in a quantitative manner. And All Quiet on the Western Front has an awful lot of production, which is very designed. So from the trenches to the dugouts to the bombed out towns to um, the places back home, um, there is it is such a wonderfully realised um, depiction um, of the of the Western Front of 1917 and 1918. Um, oh God, the the there there are some remarkable scenes that play out in a train, some train carriages. Um, and they are so wonderfully put together. Yeah, I'm going to go with All Quiet on the Western Front um, for production design as well. Flying the flag there for um, Christian M. Goldbeck, um, along with Patrick Hertzberg and uh, Yindrik uh, Kochi and more. So, yeah, I think it'll be All Quiet on the Western Front, um, making a lot of noise. <laughs> Russell? Uh, yeah, I am going to agree with you, Vincent. I was leaning towards Babylon, but then while I think Babylon is a remarkably well-designed film, it I doesn't have the other nominees nominations outside of a select few of these kind of nominations. Um, and All Quiet on the Western Front is spectacular. Elvis is, is mightily impressive, but... Um, I think it's all quite on the Western Front. I, I think it's going to just, yeah, nail this one. 
Uh, and so from production to costume design, we've got Babylon, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All At Once, and its only nomination, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. <laughs> She's a great name. I haven't seen it. I have no comment on it. Um, yeah, uh, I feel that there's, I think that it could be three of these that could win it for me. It could be Black Panther, Elvis, or Everything Ever All At Once. And I'm going to edge towards Everything Ever everything everywhere all at once because of the nature of the film it being this smaller independent um cosmic sci-fi drama so it has to have this epic look and feel to it and it's being done with a fraction of the budget of other films and it does it so well and so much of the impact of the various multiverses is in the costume design uh so that's my pick it's going to be everything everywhere all at once uh and i don't quite feel the same momentum for elvis there once was so that would be my guess but probably everything all at once is for me uh vincent who, who which of these do you think it is well i've seen three of these um but i'm going to pick one that i haven't seen i think costume design will go to mrs harris goes to paris and i say that because this is a film among other things concerned with uh, costume concerned with uh, clothing and it's notable that it, it would if that when there is a film in which clothing is a, a tailoring that's the one word i was looking for tailorship is a feature that does tend to be up for awards and indeed for that for the costume design award and win um so you know uh, some years five years ago phantom thread uh, had multiple nominations but the only one it actually won was costume design. And that is indeed a film about a tailor. Um, and I think, therefore, because a dress and costume is very important in Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, I think it's going to win. That's my pick. What about you, James? It's interesting. I was thinking maybe Elvis, but my mind's gone towards everything, everywhere, all at once instead. Interesting, because considering Stephanie Sue has that wonderful entrance where she's dressed in an Elvis costume, essentially. <laughs> Who she is! <laughs> so if it wins, Elvis will kind of win by proxy. Yeah, in a way. <laughs> Maybe it'll um, be a tie. Mm, we haven't had one of those a while in a while in the Oscars. Yeah, I think the last time was in twenty was for in twenty thirteen for twenty twelve. Um, Skyfall and Zero Dark Thirty tied for sound editing. Mm. Oh, wow. Didn't realise it was that soonish. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think everything, everywhere, all at once, this will just be another award it takes across the moon. There we go. And so from costume design, we'll go on to hair and makeup and visual effects. And again, I, I had some pre-record um, thoughts of where we should split this, because for me, these five categories are celebrating art styles that are all of within a similar um, 
area, the components of what's on screen are being celebrated here. Uh, so first up is best makeup and hairstyling. And for this, we've got All Quiet on the Western Front. We've got the Batman. We've got Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. We've got Elvis and we've got the Whale. Uh, so again, there's some blockbusters in here and there's films like The Whale, which if you've seen The Whale, you'll understand why it's nominated because so much of its power comes from uh, impactful makeup. Um, yeah, James, which of these do you think is going to take the prize? Okay, I can't comment on All Quiet because I haven't seen it. I would have loved the Batman to get it just for what they did with Colin Farrell. But in all honesty, <laughs> it's going to be the whale because it's like you said, the makeup and is essentially the power of that film. And I think Academy voters are going to essentially award it because of that. My thoughts were funny enough for Elvis at one point, but then the more I thought about Tom Hanks's face, I just thought, no, they're going to reward the whale instead. And that's not a slight against Tom Hanks, just a makeup job. I mean, we could talk about Tom Hanks in Elvis. It would be a fascinating conversation. Um, yeah, you've kind of thrown me off. I was going to pick Elvis, but then I remembered Tom Hanks's um, makeup and, and how it is a bit... Uh, interesting and I, I would love it to be the batman because colin farrell's transformation that is remarkable but i'll go with the whale as well i will go with the whale as well even if i think there's some problematic stuff to it i do think in this regard it is it is mightily impressive uh vincent are you going to join the whale bandwagon or is another one of these taking your fancy i am um gonna join you guys in having a whale of a time um the whale is the only one of these nominees i've not seen yet um and it's notable though looking at it with the whale elvis and the batman um it's quite the year of the fat suit isn't it absolutely <laughs> um, oh yeah which is interesting um but uh yeah i think it will be the whale and i will say more about why i think that later on um but uh yeah of, so it's a, all three of us predict for makeup and hairstyling the whale, which takes us on to visual effects. Russell, what do you think? One of the uh, most expansive art forms in this mise-en-scene grouping. We've got All Quiet on the Western Front. We've got Avatar The Way of Water. We've got The Batman. We've got Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And we've got Top Gun Maverick. Uh, so it's a heap of blockbusters. I would have loved everything everywhere all at once to have been nominated here because it was a team of, I believe, seven who did the effects and they're much more um, old school, the visual effects mm -hmm. and the programs mm -hmm. they're using a lot less uh, fancy. Um, but I think there's one film it's going to be. Vincent, what do you think that one film is going to be that's going to win this? No, you first. I can't see it not being Avatar The Way of Water in spite of the fact that I think that the Batman is... in. I think Batman, All Quiet on the Western Front and Top Gun Maverick are mightily impressive visual effects. I have some issues of Black Panther Wakanda Forever being in here because I thought the effects were unfinished. Um, but yeah, I can't, I can't see it not being the film they spent 13 years making and that 13 years has been to perfect a even more advanced way of doing effects. So yes, yeah, so I think Avatar, the way of water. 
And I concur, yes, uh, Avatar The Way of Water for its advances in performance capture. I mean, you can do performance capture underwater now. Um, yeah, very impressive. Um, and, you know, for all, while I think Avatar The Way of Water has a lot of problems, the effects are not one of them. It looks incredible. Um, worth noting, I think, that uh, it's um, as a three. A, also being a 3D film, um, that it, I think the effects, the improved effects work go a lot to addressing the light loss problem of 3D. Because mm. when I saw The Way of Water in 3D, it still seemed very bright um, despite um, that light loss. Um, and the underwater sequences, the, you know, the oceans of Pandora were, of, were absolutely vibrant and immersive. Yeah, I think visual effects for the way of... The, I think that uh, the way of water is visual effects <laughs> in this regard. Any dissension, James? <laughs> no, I absolutely think it's going to be Avatar The Way of Water. I think this is the biggest lock of all the awards here. Um, I would have thought at one point Top Gun Maverick's got to take it. But then James Cameron's film comes out and just wipes the floor with less impressive visual effects that Hollywood delivered that year. Hmm. I, I just yeah, of there's varying, varying reactions and opinions about Avatar: The Way of Water, but it doesn't feel like that's prevalent with the effects. So yeah, that's my choice. And it also, for me, feels a bit like a statement about effects if Avatar wins because Avatar took so long because they took their time on the effects, whereas uh, let's call them Marvel films, tend to have a crunch to them. And I think that there's an interesting conversation happening with effects that maybe we need more time spent on them, so maybe they need to slow down. But and I think that's what Avatar: The Way of the Water is a testament to is that taking your time on the effects. And while I had my reservations of the film itself, again, visually, effects-wise, it's remarkable. Do you ever get the feeling that people are incapable of not caring? And so we come to four more categories, and they are sort of seen as the big four. Big five, if you include screenplay, but these four are the ones that we talk about there on after in the news articles. And so we'll start with directing. Directing, we've got Martin McDonough for The Banshees of Inishin. We've got the Daniels, so Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert for Everything Everywhere All at Once. We've got Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans, Todd Field for Tar, and Ruben Osterland for Triangle of Sadness. So um, aggressively, as Nick, Natalie Portman would say, the all-male lineup. Um, but beyond that, we've got some really exciting directors and uh, some really different takes on directing here. And yeah, I wondered, Vincent, who you think it's going to be. I think this is a tricky category for me to pick. Mm, well... It is. I mean, it's interesting. You guys pointed out earlier that the five nominees for directing are also all up for original screenplay, and this is weird um, because historically, um, adapted screenplay has been um, more associated 
with the, the, the strong contenders for best picture and best picture and best director are frequently together. But in this, but it has been a pattern actually over the past decade and a bit that original screenplays have been honored a lot more. Looking at these, I've seen all five of them and I do think actually the direction in all of them is really well done. Um, I have issues with Triangle of Sadness. However, a lot of the, but I suppose what could be a good thing could be a bad thing is the direction of that film is very overt. This is a very directed film um, in that regard. Um, I think Tar, um, Todd Fields does a phenomenal job of taking us into a mind which is simultaneously expressing the externality of a mind. I think I thought of Tar, which we may talk about in more detail one day, um, it's sort of like if Alfred Hitchcock had made a film about a paranoid conductor, it would probably look a lot like Tar. So there you go. I've just compared Todd Field to Alfred Hitchcock. Is there any higher praise? Um, with The Fablemans, um, Steven Spielberg, he does what he does. Um, Spielberg does what he does extremely well. Um, and everything about The Fablemans is, you know, from a directorial perspective it's touching it's engaging it's very nice except when it needs to be a bit harsher but when you're talking about harsh there's a harshness to the banshees of inisherin in terms of its uh, what we're seeing on screen it doesn't flinch away from some of the ugly stuff while at the same time i think it maintains a great sense of affection um, for what's going on however here we are again I'm going to say my pick for directing it's the Daniels Quan and Shiner Shinet for everything everywhere all at once. I, again, due to the BAFTA win, I might um, have thought it was going to be um, all quiet on the Western front um, for Edward Berger. However, um, the, the director's guild of America, the award did go to the Daniels. And my God, is that ever a directed film <laughs> um, in a way I think that is more organically part of the whole than in, in Triangle of Sadness. The directing sometimes took me out of it in everything everywhere all at once. The direction grabbed me by the throat and yanked me in, into and through all manner of different universes, which was very confusing and dizzying. And yet at the same time, I always felt I knew where I was because I was everywhere. And anyway, you know where we go. Um, so to have been able to put such complexity, I know I'm sounding like a broken record here. Um, it's complexity and coherence brought together um, through a combination of that film's extraordinary editing, screenplay and direction. Yeah. Daniel Kwan, Daniel Shaynut, um, everything everywhere all at once is my pick for directing. What about you, James? Well, looking at the nominees, I don't see Ruben Ostland or Todd Field personally winning. I think um, I liked both their films to varying degrees, but I don't I can't personally see them having enough momentum to get nominated at this stage. Steven Spielberg, I think he did an exceptional job with The Fablemans. I adored that film, but I don't think he's going to it's going to be his latest Oscar win. Now, Martin Madonna, I could potentially see him sneaking in there. But for me, the Daniels are going to win it. I think they have generated enough momentum. They've won enough precursors that I think at the end of it, they're going to be the best directing 
they're going to win Best Directing. They're going to be the duo to take home that award. Although I will say I'm very surprised that Baz Luhrmann didn't get a direction because Oscars love to confuse best with most. (laughs) Do you think that there's more directing in Elvis than there is in Everything Everywhere All at Once? I think Elvis is the most directed film of 2022. Fair dues. (laughs) I've realised how silly it was just then. I was saying about Edward Berger. He's not even nominated. So, duh. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be impressed if he does win. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Pulls of the bag. Um, Yeah. Yes. Um, Um, I will dissent and say I think this is Spielberg's um, is going to win this because I think The Fablemans is his most... um, honest and emotionally impactful film perhaps ever certainly for a long time i think because it is a story that is essentially his story being fictionalized and told through his prism um i think it'll be a split vote so i think that while some years we get directing and picture be the same i think this time directing will be different from picture which indicates that i don't think the failed ones is getting best picture but we'll get into that so I think Spielberg is going to win, but it's hard to say because this there isn't a directing award consistency this year. Whereas last year it was, I forget the name of the director, uh, Jane Campion. Campion. Jane Campion for the Power of the Dog. In this year, I don't think there is a consistency to it because other awards have given it to various different directors. So it's a shot in the dark. I could see it being the Daniels because I do think there's now a momentum behind everything ever all at once, but I'm going to stick with thinking it's Spielberg because I, I, I think the Fablemans is his best film since catch me if you can probably not to say he's ever made a particularly bad film, but it certainly is mighty impressive to me. Fair play. Sammy. We're going to use daddy's camera to film it. Only crash the train once, okay? Then after we get the film developed, you can watch it crash over and over till it's not so scary anymore. And your real train won't ever get broken. Shall we get to the leading performers? Yeah. So we have two acting uh, categories left. We've got Best Actress and Best Actor. And these are exciting for me. So Best Actress in a leading role. Kate Blanchard is up for Tar. Anna de Amaris is up for Blonde. Andre Riseborough is up for To Leslie. Michelle Williams is up for The Fablemans. And Michelle Yeoh is up for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. I've seen three of these. I don't particularly want to sit through Blonde, so I haven't watched Blonde. And uh, I just haven't watched To Leslie yet. I didn't... I don't necessarily think that Andre is going to win the award this time. I think she's a phenomenal performer, but I don't think she's going to win it this time. Um, For me, I think it's down to two performers. And I keep flipping between the two of them so we've got Kate Blanchett who has won two times before and I could very much see her taking the award we've got Michelle Yeoh who's this is kind of as it is with Jamie Lee Curtis and Angela Bassett uh, a sort of a phenomenal career has led to this point and a phenomenal performance because she has to be multiple versions of herself multiple versions of a character um so before the Screen Actors Guild, I would have said it would be Kate Blanchett's. Now I think it is Michelle Yeoh's who's going to win it. But I could see it being Kate Blanchett who wins it. And Blanchett is phenomenal in Tar. Like, I have some... I I, have, I think Tar is an imperfect film. 
but I think that Kate Blanchett's performance is perfection and is one of the great performances from the last 12 months. But also I think Michelle Yeoh's is one of the great performances of the last 12 months. So I'm going with Michelle for this. Uh, James, uh, do, do you, which of these five are you going for? It's interesting how Andrea Riseborough has that big push at the end to come in and get nominated off out of essentially nowhere. And it doesn't seem like her what she's on anybody's lips to win this award. Um, it's just curious. Um, I haven't seen the film, so I can't comment on her performance or Blonde, because I haven't seen that either. Uh, Michelle Williams in The Fablemans is not my pick, but I feel she does a well job in the film. Um, then you've got Kate Blanchett and Tar and Michelle Yeoh in Everything Everywhere at Once. I think this has been one of the tightest races of the season between them two. But after the recent win at Screen Actors Guild Award, um, I think it, I too think it will be Michelle Yeoh, and I can't wait to see what speech she's going to come out with after the shut up, I'll beat you at the Golden Globes. No uh, argument. Yeah, I've got to say, yeah, I think we're all actually in some respects in agreement in our awareness and um, ignorance because um, I have seen three of them. Um, sorry, James, remind me, had you seen Tar? Yes, I have seen Tar. Okay, so we've all seen The Fablemans, Everything Everywhere uh, All at Once and Tar, and none of us have seen Blonde or to Leslie? <laughs> no, no, I haven't. Okay, fair enough. Um, I do want to see Blonde. I'm annoyed that I haven't watched it yet, but um, to Leslie, I'm like, well, is that even showing anywhere around here? Um this is a really tough one. Um, it's worth noting this is Michelle Williams' fifth nomination. She was previously up for supporting actress in Brokeback Mountain and My Week with Marilyn. Uh, sorry, and lead actress for My Week with Marilyn and supporting actress for Manchester by the Sea, lead actress for Blue Valentine. Um, and now here she is with her third for leading role and fifth overall. So in that respect, it would be easy to see her picking it up if there wasn't so much momentum behind Kate Blanchett and Michelle Yeoh. It really could go either way after the BAFTAs. I was thinking it's going to be Blanchett. Now after the Screen Actors Guild, um, I think it's going to, I, I think Yeoh has pulled ahead. The fact that, as I think you guys have pointed out, um, both these performances involve the actors having to do a great deal. It's a truism to say that there are relatively few um detailed, um, complex roles for women to play. Um, and how fortunate that two such fantastic ones came along um, this year. I mean, I think Michelle Williams in The Fablemans is fine, but there is not a great deal, I think, for her. as There is not as much for her to do as there is for Blanchette and Yo. It's amusing that there are two Michelles up, I must say. Um, so in that regard, yeah because they both have to do so much it could go either way it could even be a tie has happened um as we've said i think the only time it happened for best actress was um oof, in the in some point in the 1970s um having said that i don't think it will be a tie um i think it will be uh, michelle yo for everything everywhere all at once 
And like you, James, I want it to be because, you know, I want to hear her accepted speech. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Shall we move on to those with penises? Sure. Well, the way to put it. Um, Yeah, usually I find this category kind of boring because there are very there are years when there are very few great male performances. But this year, this is a very exciting category for me. Like, I think there's a raft of great performances here so we've got austin butler for elvis colin farrell for the banshees of inisham brendan fraser for the whale paul mesco for after sun and bill nye for living brendan uh, fraser brendan fraser sorry we've got um two irish actors in the mix we've got um i think they're all first time nominees yeah I, yeah you're right so the, and they're all first-time nominees, which is lovely. Uh, I've seen, I haven't seen Living. I can't. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, um, yeah, James, how do you pick a winner for this one? Oh my god! I mean, I only haven't seen Living, but I think, oh, what a strong cap lineup out of all these ones. I mean, the fact that Paul Mescal got in with After Sons criminally only nomination it's astounding and i would have loved him to win but i don't think that's going to happen now colin farrell i colin farrell was superb and i do think he's in with a shot but i do think austin butler has a better chance after the baftas gave him that win but for me I still think it's going to be Brendan Fraser. I think he's got this for the whale. I think the same way as with Kihui Kwan, the love for a comeback story will aid in making this great performance take home the victory. I completely agree. I think it's going to be uh, the comeback story. Um, It's going to be Brendan Fraser. And I will link this back to why I think that it's also going to be the whale picking up hair and makeup. Um, There is a pattern of these kind of transformative performances, picking up awards, which leads to some discussion over, yes, well, is what's actually doing the performance here? Is it the actor or is it the hair and makeup? Well, maybe it's a combination. Um, I remember... Um, Gary Oldman won Best Actor for um, uh, Darkest Hour, which also won Hair and Makeup. Um, Meryl Streep won Best Actress for The Iron Lady, which also won um, Hair and Makeup. Um, So Brendan Fraser, I think, will repeat this trend while also bucking it. He's not playing um, a British Prime Minister um, by any stretch of the imagination here. But his comeback story and him having to do a performance, which I haven't seen the whale um, or after sun or living very bad of me. Um, but I will uh, promise. Um, but I do understand that the whale is largely confined to a single location and Fraser has to do a lot of acting sitting down mm-hmm. um, because he's, you know, playing this man who is, you know, um, severely obese Um and therefore, you know, that's where the makeup comes in. But also having to do a performance through that much, um, you know, through that much makeup uh, makes sense. And he's playing a character who's suffering from a severe illness, uh, which is something the Academy loves. Um, yeah, I think it's it's going to be um, it's going to be Brendan Fraser for The Whale. Um, 
Russell, any other perspectives? No, I agree. Um, Fraser's performance is remarkable. It is a performance I've never seen the act, the actor give before. And just, I have my issues with the whale. I'm not sure how I feel about its portrayal of certain aspects of it, but Fraser and Hong Chao are both phenomenal in it. And yeah, there is that narrative around it. that This is an actor who fell out of favor and has now come back into these kind of performances, these kind of roles. I think Colin Farrell's performance in the Banshees of Inishin is remarkable. I have not stopped thinking about his eyebrow acting since I saw it because he within a millisecond will change the tempo of a scene with how he reacts to stuff, but it's a quieter, smaller performance. That's why I think it's not probably going to win it, but it's close. I think this is a really hard one to call. And if the BAFTAs hadn't given it to Austin Butler, I think Colin Farrell might've had a bit more momentum behind it. Um, I, yeah, I think those two performances from Colin and Brendan are two of the very best performances I've seen uh, in the last year. I think they're both fantastic. And I think Brendan will just pip it for the same reason why uh, Kwai Hoi Kun, no, Equally, Kwan. Equally, Kwan is going to win it for everything, everywhere, all at once, because it is a, a remarkable performance from an actor that has got a great comeback story to them. Time is the thing. Uh-huh. Time is is the essential piece of uh, interpretation. You cannot start without me. See, I start the clock. Now, my left hand it shapes, but my right hand, the second hand, marks time and moves it forward. However, unlike a clock, sometimes my second hand stops, which means the time stops. Well, uh, well, that, that was fun talking about. We're all done now, aren't we? <laughs> no, no, we have just one more. A, oh, yes. Arguably thing. the smallest what award of the be? night, the one that no one really cares about. I mean, every award is a big award, but there is the one we will talk about, which is Best Picture. Uh, and this year, we've got 10 nominees. So we've got All Quiet on the Western <gasps> Front. We've got Avatar, The Way of Water. We've got The Banshees of Inishin. We've got Elvis. We've got Everything, Everything Everywhere All at Once. The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. And I have, as of today, seen all 10. Hey! hey! Doesn't, always hey! Doesn't always happen. I see all 10. But yeah, I saw Women Talking this afternoon. Um, and I think, uh, for me, eight of the 10 are great or better than great uh, i think some of them are fantastic phenomenal works and i think some of them are just great which you know and there are two that i probably don't gel of as much i didn't gel of avatar the way of water um and i think triangle of sadness is very long and has some interesting ideas but it's very long in its telling of those interesting ideas um but yeah the others are remarkable some of them are some remarkable works and all very different compelling examples of the power of cinema some are intimate small dramas some are musical biopics edited by cocaine some are these beautiful uh biopic tinged dramas some are 
what you what happens if you put a camera in a jet and fly it very fast <laughs> um yeah there, there's a, remar- a remarkably good bunch this year sometimes i think there are weaker films that make it through into the roster but not this year i think this year for the most part this is a really strong group of contenders um vincent who's it going to be well, I have um, to date seen nine of these. I am yet to see Women Talking, just because it's not showing um, in the uh, up, up here in the in the, in the north where I am. Um, well, it probably is in the large cities, but not Lancaster. Um, yeah, they are a. It is a nicely varied bunch. Thinking about it, I mentioned in a previous episode that it's. I'm pretty sure the first time two sequels have been up for Best Picture. Um, so to have both Top Gun Maverick and Avatar The Way of Water shows, I think, a wider appreciation because there is a tend- there is a, a certain type um, of Best Picture nominee. There are certain genres, certain stories, certain subject matter that attract attention. If this was back pre-2009 when there were only f- um, five Best Picture nominees, I suspect that those would have been the Banshees of Inner Sharon as the kind of historical drama, um, the it's domestic um, uh, <clears throat> one in that respect, and women talking as well, I expect to be up. And the Fablemans for being a depiction of 20th century history. Elvis um, as the biopic and probably Tar um, as the sort of the uh, the contemporary one. Um, we Although All Quiet on the Western Front is the genre darling in terms of being a um, a war film. It was very unusual back in the day for a an international film to be up for uh, best picture, but it is um, now. And uh, and then to throw in these, um, you know, a contemporary action movie sequel as well as a science fiction film, and then another science fiction film as well. Um, it really, I think, this is a lovely spread of um what cinema has to offer oh and the weird um social satire as well with triangle of sadness <laughs> i think the fact that i forgot to mention it indicates i was not very impressed with triangle of sadness i watched it last night and yes i agree with you russell i think it's too long and frankly you didn't need the first act it could have it's got one act sort of in the fashion world one aboard a yacht and one on an island and you only needed the yacht and the island and my favorite part of that movie was when people were being sick so that I think tells you a lot. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, not seen women talking. I wasn't impressed with Triangle of Sadness. I wasn't overly impressed with Avatar: The Way of Water. It pains me to say. All of the others, we've kind of talked about them um, to a certain extent. Um, yeah, I do think Top Gun: Maverick is a. Fa- it's fantastic to see a contemporary action blockbuster up for um, Best Picture when it is one that is so wonderfully assembled it does so many things right um elvis um was certainly one that yeah was a very very directed film um (laughs) but it does the biopic thing while making the biopic very uh vibrant and making it as much about the people around its subject ostensibly as um elvis himself um the fablemans is a very classic one in days gone by, I would have expected the Fablemans to probably be the frontline winner, especially after it picked up the Golden Globes. And after the BAFTAs, surprise, surprise, I would have gone for All Quiet on the Western Front. But surprise, surprise, after it picked up the Producers Guild of America Award, and bear in mind that at the Oscars, it is the producers who pick up the best picture, I think it is going to be 
everything everywhere all at once, which will make me enormously happy because I don't, I would say a science fiction film has never won best picture. You could make an argument for um, something like the shape of water, but I think that's more fantasy along the lines. It's got, I think the shape of water has more in common with the Lord of the Rings, the return of the King than it does with everything everywhere all at once. So yeah, I want it to win because it will be a demonstration of the Academy's openness to new subject matter. And while it's still, you know, an uphill battle in terms of greater diversity, I think to award best picture to a science fiction film, let's not forget about a an immigrant family um, in America um, who are you know, with a fair amount, actually, um, not in English, in um, in uh, Mandarin and in Chinese, would be, I think, a demonstration of uh, more openness and greater diversity within the Oscars. And that is something I want to see. And it's what I think we will see. So in a very roundabout way, I want and I predict everything everywhere all at once for best picture. James? It's interesting because... Of this lineup, there's two I haven't seen. Women Talking's playing nowhere near me, and I haven't made time to watch All Quiet on the Western Front. But I tend to find, personally, there's one or two in each year's lineup where I'm just like, really? And I'm, yeah, I'm really questioning nominating the film, like a Bohemian Rhapsody or a Don't Looked Up or a Joker. That's personally my feelings. <laughs> but of this lineup, I can't say there's anything. While there, there's definitely varying degrees of how much I like the film. There isn't anything which I dislike to the degree I previously mentioned. And looking at this lineup, I would say, uh, I think there's one film here which has a a lot of precursors. It has barreled through with such momentum since its release it's been a box office uh it's been a box office success and a critical darling i'm holding out hope that everything everywhere all at once will win the big award and and i think the way the way it's been doing this award season and the way i feel it's going to do in this oscar season it it reminds me of how Parasite did back in 2019 um, yeah I know I'm comparing two films which are both with predominantly Asian cast and an Asian director in there but I do but the, I feel when I think about everything everywhere all at once taking the award at the end and I feel it's going to take many awards but I feel what best picture is going to be announced and like Parasite, you're going to have that massive cheer from everybody who act as though their team won because they ultimately loved this film and are championing a fantastic, a fantastic Oscar decision for the big award. So that's my pick. And I'm going to, no, I'm not going to dissent. I was going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to pick Avatar The Way of Water, but no. Um, so <laughs> how the best pictures have been of recent years is it fluctuates between these 
films that win it because they are the best film nominated. So Moonlight and Parasite are prime examples of that, where they're just so good, they win, because it would be ridiculous not to have them win. And those that feel almost traditional Oscar films, so vaguely crowd-pleasery, um, award fodder. So Coda and uh, Green Book spring to mind as that. And how it's felt for me is that if there is a, a singular award contender that feels Oscary, it'll probably get enough votes to win because it will be the uh, least disliked contender. And that's what this, we have to bear in mind, this is a uh, proportion, no, it's not proportional representation, it's um, what voting system, the ranked, it's a ranked voting system, so mm, ranked, yeah. you rank them in order, uh, and it's a longer about way of me saying, I don't think there is a single film that is a credible alternative to the one I think is going to win. That's not to say that I don't think films like The Fablemans, The Bantries of Inisham, All Quiet on the Western Front, and several others would be stellar winners. Having watched Women Talking very recently, it's prime in my mind, and that would be a, a win I would cheer greatly. But I think the one that's going to win is the film that was my favourite film of last year, so I guess they're just following my lead. Um, <laughs> it is everything ever all at once, and that is just because it is a remarkably good film, and it is as Moonlight was, as Parasite was, so good that it it just kind of breaks the formula of an Oscar winner. And that's the thing about everything all at once. That There are aspects of it. So the personal drama narrative within it feels very much like the kind of drama that would be an Oscar winner. But the fact that it's amongst a sci-fi multiverse cosmic epic is where it isn't like an Oscar winner. Um but yeah, having won at the producers, directors and screen actors guilds, I can see it now winning this and I will be very thrilled of it. My in-laws, who are not the target audience for this, watched half an hour of this film, turned it off, but I'm impressed they watched half an hour of it and they watched it because it's up for these awards. And that is the power of this, the the award ceremonies this this entire season is that certain films that even though we've been talking about every, everything everywhere all at once even though twitter's been talking about it since it came out even though it made about 150 200 million dollars around the world it's still will only find an audience because it's up for awards and it's on the bbc news that it's won these awards and that awards and be nominated for this and that and so that's why i applaud these is because if a film like Everything Everywhere All at Once ends up being a Saturday night film for my in-laws, hats off to them for A, picking it. I wouldn't, I would never recommend it to them. And B, hurrah for the award season. But yeah, I think we're going to see Everything Everywhere All at Once win Best Picture and it'll be thrilling and exciting. And also, I think the second or third Sundance um, debut film in a row to win Best Picture. Uh, Coda was at Sundance and I can't stretch my mind back beyond that. So I've got two there. So we should look for, um, I think Past Lives was the big awardsy film out of Sundance this year. So maybe we'll be talking about that in 12 months time and how we think that's going to win. You see it all, don't you? You can see how everything 
is just a random rearrangement of particles in a vibrating superposition. I have no idea what you are talking about, but I can... But you see how everything gets washed away in a sea of every other possibility. You're everywhere. You're like me. That's right. Yeah, so we've done it. We've picked our contenders for various categories. And in our next episode, our next proper episode, we will do this as our news and we'll go through who was right, who was wrong, who won the big prize of a satisfactory guessing process. Um, Yeah, so the awards are on the 12th of March. I will be asleep when they're on and will wake up for the aftermath because that's what I do every year. Uh, Are you guys excited for the the awards? Absolutely. I am. I will be awake. I will watch the whole thing live. Um, I had I found out about um, an event um, at a um, kind of a cult cinema in uh, Manchester, which is actually doing a uh, having an Oscars event, an Oscars party, which includes watching the show live. And I was quite tempted to go. And then <laughs> I thought, right, hang on. So go to Manchester in the evening, be up until probably about five in the morning come back to lancaster and have to go to work that day that's a really (laughs) stupid idea stay home watch it in bed go to sleep afterwards at least for a few hours but yes i shall be watching it as it happens and uh, probably tweeting it as well uh, which uh, and you'll be able to follow me uh, which we'll come to in a second what about you james I've never watched the Oscars, mainly because I it tends to I don't know what it's on now, but it used to be on Sky Movies and I never had that channel. But also it's it's on re- two in the morning and I have work the next day and <laughs> I just cannot be doing with that while I'm dealing with work related stuff for eight hours or so but yeah yeah yeah. that's very long it's a very long ceremony Mm -hmm. it is yeah it tends to be about good three and a half hours so starts at 1 a.m finishes about 4 30 um i I will sometimes book the day off book the monday off so i don't have the concern over it maybe i'll do that this time Mm. um yeah it's on um it's on sky so i watch it on now i see oh that I do have a little thing which I've done for a few years where I just put a tenor on for like best picture, maybe best director and see how it goes. I've only done it twice. Um, I did it in 2017 when for some reason I thought get out will win best picture. And I did it in 2019 when I was like, well, I know Bong Joon-ho is going to, or Parasite are going to win either best director or best picture. So I just try them both and see how it goes. Which turned out really well for me, but how much did you win? Thirty? Um, eighty quid. Eighty, mm. nice. Okay. Mm. I always think I'm gonna do that. I think I yeah, I should put um I you know, I absorb enough of this information that I think I probably mm. could make a pretty informed decision. Um and then I forget. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's it. It's probably the only thing that I'd feel the slightest bit confidence about putting money on um, to bet. But I do love the show. Cool. So, yeah. So tune back in on our next episode where we're going to, you know, pick apart the winners. Hopefully there won't be any uh, slaps or mistaken envelopes this time, but I'm sure there'll be something (laughs) that happens that we'll all be talking about. Um, But until next time, we're the potty people. You can find us in various places. I am on Twitter at Russ Loves Movies and my other podcast feed is the Not Just For Kids podcast, which we are looking at family films and the works we with. Our next, so we've just had uh, Vincent on talking up. Nope. Were you the last one? Yes, yes, it was me. Uh, Vincent I was, I was, was the last very one for Inside Out and Soul. And next up, we've got Wreck-It Ralph. And uh, those are all Oscar-y films. The Wreck-It Ralph didn't win, but it was up for Best Animated Feature and both Soul and Inside Out won. Best animated feature and Soul One Best Score. So, if you want some previous winners to see discussed, go over there. Uh, James, if I wanted some piping hot takes about blue people and whales underwater, where would I find that from you? From me, you can cast your minds back to December of last year when I actually talked about that stuff. But for now, um, you can find my takes on Twitter and Letterboxd at RoddersJ04. That's spelled with two Ds. And I accumulate my reviews, podcast appearances, articles, and whatnot over at my site, thereviewingrodders.co.uk. So, yeah, come check it out. And if um, you wanted to find out um, what, I, what I'd be announcing from my little golden envelopes, you can find out um, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Dr. Gain. That's D-R-G-A-I-N-E. I will be tweet- doing a live tweet responses to the Oscars, but uh, good luck finding that in the mix. But hey, follow me and it'll come to you straight away. Yes, come find me on social media and say hello. And as ever, thank you so much for listening you may not be Oscar winners, but in our hearts, you are our winners. Thank you, every listener, for joining us on this journey through the Oscars. And we'll pick this up again in our next episode. <laughs>